0: Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today.
1: What it is that we want God to fill us up with? What is it? People in our lives, purpose in our life, power. Power. Those are all things I pray I hope the Lord fills me up with. But I believe there's something so much more fundamental that we're missing. It's something so fundamental we talk about it all the time. It's on t-shirts and bracelets everywhere. But I believe it becomes so fundamental, it's become so obvious, often as a time is we dismiss it. There's a characteristic about who God is. There's something that we need to be filled up with that is so primal, that when we think about it, when we hear it, often it goes in one ear and out the other. And I want to start talking to you about that this morning. I want to start with this story. It was a graduate student in a large lecture hall. The professor is going on. And he interrupts the class and stands up in the midst of everyone. The stern look an authoritative voice, he points down at the professor. And he says, I do not believe in God. Professor is flubbing through his notes, unfazed. He looks up at the student and says, Describe this God that you don't believe in. The student then goes on to explain how he could never believe in such a vengeful and unloving God. Continues stories about destruction and fear and punishment. After he finishes, the professor simply responds, Well, I don't believe in that God either. My God is a God of love. Church, we serve a God of love. Not like the Greek God, Eros. Not like the Cupid God on Valentine's Day. Not like a God who is capable of a single attribute. No, we believe that God is actually love. Its full manifestation is God. We believe that God is is love. We believe that God is a loving God and cares deeply for us as we sang this morning with an unfailing love. We believe that he is like our Father in heaven, Abba, Daddy, that cares for us unconditionally. But why doesn't everyone believe in God, why are these these students that raise their hand and say, I don't believe in God? Why are they so brash on Facebook? Why do they go around and happy to espouse all of these crazy theologies and philosophies about there not being a God or God does not exist? Why doesn't everyone believe in this God? So maybe I'll ask a different question. If I believe that God is love, then why doesn't everybody or doesn't everybody believe in love? Haven't we all experienced love? Don't we all understand love? Don't we all know and want love? Don't we believe in love? Maybe that's part of the problem. Perhaps we've gotten confused about love. And in that confusion, particularly as Americans, we've got confused about God. Because I believe there are many among us, not just here in church, but in our community in our circles of influence, at our workplace, in our neighborhoods, in the grocery store, people we interact with online, I believe that subconsciously they ask themselves this question often, am I lovable? Am I loved? Am I capable of feeling love? Am I good enough to be loved? by my spouse, by my girlfriend, boyfriend, child. Can I feel love from God? At the root of this question is really, do you even deserve love? Maybe you've done some terrible things or maybe you think terrible things or maybe you've said some terrible things to people around you that you love. Or maybe they said some terrible things to you. And maybe in the context of all of this life experience that you have, you ask your question, no, no. I don't deserve love. And think about it this way. Do you only seek out those who are lovable? In other words, will you only spend time with people that are lovable? Do you only spend time with those who you love? Do you only want to be around people that you love? Often this is the case. What if God was such a respecter of persons? What if he only loved the people you loved? only spend time with the people you spent time with. You see, God apparently loves everyone. And we're going to talk about that this morning. You know, your spouse, is your spouse lovable? Do you love your spouse? Do they know you love them? That's the real question. What about your children? Do you love your children? Of course you love your children. And you'll say your children are all lovable. I don't know if that's entirely true. You think your children are lovable. And therein lies the root of love. There's something going on in human nature with our children, with our spouses, that begins to describe to us something about love. We begin to paint some picture of love in our mind. And then we begin to associate it with those who we interact with in life. And yet I wonder, are we still confused? I believe we are confused about love, about what is true, about true love. Now, anyone who has studied the Bible will say, oh, I know a verse about truth that might help us. And I've heard many people come to me and say, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Well, this is an interesting Verse, the truth will set you free. I find it very interesting because when people tell me, I often like to hear what they're thinking because the reality is, is this is not entirely true. What do you mean it's not true? Truth will set you free. Well, this isn't a quote from the internet nor a famous person outside of Jesus Christ. And this quote is misquoted. It doesn't say the truth will set you free. Do anybody remember this verse? Because often when I hear it all the time, I go, really? Is that what it says? How about we read the whole verse? It says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, the truth of the matter isn't as powerful unless you know the truth. What am I talking about? It's pretty simple. How many of you love your spouse? Well, we only have two. Two. The rest of you, that's, we're in trouble. We got to wake up here at some point. Yes. Yeah, so we love our spouses. How many of you love your parents? How many of you love your children? Etc. 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 Of course, the fact of the matter is, you love the person sitting next to you more than likely. More than likely, you love one of those children in the infant nursery or in the toddler nursery back there or in kids' church back there. More than likely, you do love your parents, even if they live with you. I love my mom deeply, and she does live with me. Of course you love. That's the fact of the matter. But it doesn't quite have the power unless the person knows you love them. Is it enough for me just to love my wife without her knowing? The fact of the matter is I love her. But without knowledge of that fact, she doesn't feel that love. She must know without a shadow of a doubt that I love her. I must tell her. I must show her. I must go out of my way to constantly make her feel loved. Because all of us are going around this world asking the question, do you love me? Our children are asking, do you love me? Our spouses are asking, do you love me? God is asking, do you love me? The question is, are you asking him, do you love me? Are you asking God, do you love me? Have you thought about what it means for God to love you? Because the truth of the matter is, he loves you. Is the truth enough? Let's watch.
0: This is a red balloon. It's true, it's red, we all know our colors. The absolute truth is that this balloon is red.
1: No, it's not. That's green. What? This right here is a green balloon.
0: That is the prettiest yellow balloon. (laughs) Yellow? This is red. Yeah, Come over here.
1: No, it's green.
0: It's red! Yeah, I know, it's a red balloon.
1: Hey, will you look at it from my point of view, please? What? Hey, nice blue balloon.
0: It's green! Green? It's red. Why are you saying it's red when it's blue? Huh? It's totally
1: purple from here!
0: (laughs) Purple? Okay, you know what? Let's just settle this once and for all, okay? Where are you going? Hey, what color is this balloon? I only see in black and white. Hey, Mark, what color? There is no balloon. This is ridiculous. Hey, I know what the problem is. Look, uh, my mom taught me that this was blue. But, um, you know, then she said this is red and green, yellow, you know, and on and on. (laughs) Okay, I get that your mom taught you that that was blue, but, I mean, that's not the truth. Whoa, why
1: are you talking bad about his mom? Yeah. I'm not. Listen, I respect your mother. Thank you. And the way she raised you. She taught you that it was blue. Our moms taught us that it was red. That's the way it goes. I thought you said it was green. It is green. See, I'm smart. I went to college. (laughs) And in college, I learned all these different (laughs) theories about color. And my color professors who have doctorates in color... Do you have a doctorate in color? Uh, no. It shows. Okay, (laughs) they can't even agree on one theory of color, so you have to look at all the different theories and pick which one works best for you. And green is great for me. That makes sense. Thank you.
0: No, you can't just pick whatever color fits your life the best. Red is red.
1: Okay, do you know the word intolerant? Yeah. Because that's what you're being right now. (laughs) All right, you're shoving your opinion down my throat.
0: Okay, it's not my opinion, it's the truth.
1: (laughs) Hold on, hold on.
0: All we're saying is that we need to stop arguing about trivial things like truth you know the funny thing about truth is it's true whether you believe it or not
1: amen amen and this is the root of what I want to talk about I don't want to debate theology with you or the existence of God with you which is often what we use this type of video for Because the fact of the matter is that God is alive. The fact of the matter is that his son died for us. The fact of the matter is that he created all the universe and all that's in it, you and me. And the fact is often we can't explain everything. But the truth of the matter is we all don't believe it. Not all the time. And if he is love, do you believe he is love? And whether you believe it or not, it is still true. But I'm asking you today, I want you to think about that. Do you feel God's love? You can turn to Psalms 103. I want to look at it, but I want to just tip this point a little bit more. In my household, you have a son, and he's doing good in school for most of the time, and then he's having a set of grades where are dipping below the uh, acceptable level in our household and say you have to take a test in order to get your grades back up. So you study real hard, you study real hard, you study real hard, you take this test, and you do, you think really well. And the truth of the matter is that the teacher has graded a test and given you an A, and the truth is you have an A on the test. But he doesn't know that. So how does that make him feel? Well, he feels uncertain. He feels unsure. He feels maybe he didn't do so well. He doesn't feel the way he's supposed to feel until he knows he got an A by seeing that A. Likewise, if you are sick and you believe that you are healed and your body tells you are healed, your chemistry, your biology, your autonomy, they tell you you are healed, but you don't feel healed because you don't know for sure. So what do you do? You go to a doctor, right? And you take tests and you get a report and there's something about seeing a report that says you are healed. When you know the truth, it has such a deep impact on the fact of the matter. Amen? So now, if the truth is that God has love us, how can we know that God loves us? It's like trying to explain God to someone who doesn't believe in God. How do you explain music to someone who can't hear, or color to someone who can't see? To me, it's the same question as asking, how do you explain how it feels to catch a game-winning Super Bowl touchdown if I'm never going to be a professional athlete. Is that impossible? No, because I believe that color exists in food and people and stories and temperature and music exists in art and life and victory exists all around us. You see, we can experience these things in all sorts of unique ways and so we can understand love because it too exists all around us. Psalms 103 is an amazing scripture. I picked this scripture to start what I'm going to do here over the next couple of weeks because it's squarely in the Old Testament. A lot of times when we think about love, we think about Jesus, and we think about the New Testament and all the amazing things God has done. So I just wanted to go back and say, what's going on in the Old Testament? What can we learn about love from before Jesus was born? And Psalms 103, is a psalm from David. And I want to read it to you, and I just want to go through this, and I want to teach you some things about love. In verse 1, it says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. I love how the original text says this verse. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless. The Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Before I go on any further, church, and my energy levels are, are really low, so bear with me here. And, and you know what you can offer today? I'll tell you here's something you can offer. You can offer by helping me preach this message. Right? You can, you can get a hold of what God is saying because it's not going to be my emotion that does it. It's going to be the truth that does it. Amen? Listen, church, I pray all the time that God would do great and mighty things in this church. I pray that people would be healed. I pray that new ministries would start. I pray that lives would be changed. I pray that people would learn something new about the Bible they've never learned before. I pray that kids would be raised up in the fear of the Lord. I pray that new ministries would begin to meet needs, physical needs, in our community. I pray that money comes in, that we can repair our roof and repair our heating and air conditioned units. I pray that people are broken from the bondages of addiction and anger and oppression. I pray that we can make a difference in injustices in the world like racism. I pray all of these things, but that is not why I do what I do. Those are icing on the cake. Those are the things that God provides over and above the reason that I do this. The reason that I do this is so clear because I want all that is within me to bless the Lord. I just want to give him glory for who he is. I don't need him to do a single thing more for me to honor him and preach the rest of my life. He is so good, but he continues to do things. And so church, all that is within me, I want to bless the Lord. It's why we sing. It's why we go with such passion. And I pray this morning that you too will get a hold of that with your whole heart. It becomes so easy to complain. It becomes so easy to look at your life and say, it's not lining up the way you planned it. It's so easy to say, this isn't right or that isn't right. Or I wish you would have answered this prayer or that prayer. You keep doing this, you keep doing this, and all of a sudden, you become beaten down by your own thoughts. If you knew today that God loved you wholeheartedly, undeniably, unconditionally, how would that make you feel? what would that make you do? Anything different? Let's look. I love these next couple verses are so powerful. These next couple verses explain so succinctly what God is doing because he loves you. It says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases redeems me from death, crowns me with love and tender mercy. He fills my life with good things and my youth is renewed like the eagles. This, church, is a God who loves you. This is a picture of love. Do you know someone like this, church? Do you know someone who does good things for you? Who forgives you of your sins? Do you know someone who heals you of your diseases? Do you know someone today who redeems you? That means despite your past, what you've done, what you've said, thinks bigger of you and bigger for you and wants you to accomplish something greater. Church, do you know someone who crowns you? With love and mercy, the very thing that this world is void of. Do you know someone today who loves you this much that he goes out of his way or she goes out of her way to fill your life? In a world where everywhere we go, somebody wants to take, take, take from you. Do you know someone who wants to put, put, put into you until you are filled up? How about someone who just when you're around them, you feel younger, more vibrant. You feel renewed. Church, this is the God of love. This is the God you and I serve. Forget any new miracles. Forget any new scriptures. This God forgives our sins, heals us of diseases, redeems us, crowns us, fills us, renews us. You know, he's done this in the past for many of you and me. He intends to do this in the future. And he's doing it right now. There are people among us right now who need to be renewed, who need to be forgiven, who need to be restored, who need to be set free. But it's not just the truth that will set you free. You see, it's the knowledge of that truth that God loves you. And here's a funny thing. If you find somebody in the world that will do all of this, it'll probably be because you deserve it or you've earned it. That's how the world works. But in the Bible, it's not so. We haven't deserved or earned anything. But yet we complain and find ways to complain. And I'm encouraging you this year, as you look to your year and you look to your week and you find reasons and you say, Things aren't going quite my way. I encourage you to focus on the good. And if you're having struggle looking at your own life and saying, what is good? What is God doing in my life? I can't quite see why I should continue to seek him, why I should honor and obey him, why I should follow him. You feel like life's getting you down, I encourage you to turn to Psalm 103 and read these few verses, verses 2 through 5, and remind yourself of all the amazing things God is doing. Amen? This next verse I just want to treat it on its own. It says, the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. This is a God who loves all, no respecter of persons, including those who have been at the burden of injustice. And I pray often for those who don't have the opportunity and justice of our government or our economy or our community, past, present, and future. And yet we serve a God who it says gives righteousness and justice, if you're around those who need help, if you're around those who who are suffering, around those who feel like they have been oppressed by injustice, introduce them to the God who loves them so much that he is willing to bring justice to all. This is the God we serve, church. He loves you that much. Well, how much is that? Let's keep reading. It says, in the beginning of verse 7, he revealed his character to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. What is his character? In verse 8, we see, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He is slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us from our sins He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. This is a picture of love. You see, He's not going around judging you every day, trying to punish you for every single thing you do. It literally says in the word of God, it says here, he does not punish us for all of our sins. What does that mean? It simply means that we have an opportunity in the midst of our life to go to God and allow him to love on us and to forgive us. Now, granted, you do not go to God. Granted, you live your life on your own accord. When you get to heaven, you will be judged according to all of your sins. But you have an opportunity here. If we were judged according to all of our sins, Christians, while we're here on earth, we'd never make it to heaven. He's given us an opportunity because he loves us so much. So I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you feel. He's not angry with you. It says he's slow to get angry, and he's filled with an unfailing love. Multiple times, his unfailing love is towards you. It says our sins are as far as the east is from the west. Why does he say that? Because he knows it's what haunts you. He knows it's what pulls you away from him. Not just the sin itself, but the feeling of the sin, the remorse, separates you from God. So he says he separates that in his mind. He forgets it. It goes as far as the east is from the west. Why does he say that? because it's so important. You see, if you head north, if you head north and you keep going north, eventually you'll get to the North Pole. And if you keep going in the same direction, now you're heading south. And it'll start getting warmer. And if you keep heading south and you keep heading south and you keep heading south, it'll start getting colder until you get to the South Pole. And if you keep going, you'll be going north. In other words, south and north meet. It's called poles. But the east and west never meet. You can head east forever and you will always be heading in the same direction, east. East and west never connect. It's the farthest possible distance of every two points. And so what he's telling you is, I've forgotten all of your sins should you ask for it. It's as far as the east is from the west. So if I have forgotten it, you need to move on from it because I want to love you. It says, the Lord is like a father to his children. Tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are and remembers only our dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and we die. The wind blows and we're gone. And as though we had never been here before. But the love of the Lord remains forever. For those who fear him, his salvation extends to the children's children. It says he loves us like a father. He loves us like a parent. What does it mean? How do you show your children love? How do you show your children that you love them? I asked my wife this question. I I brought her into my office and I interviewed her. I offered to do it this morning, but it's very nerve-wracking getting up here, so she didn't want to do so. So I asked her just to rattle off all the ways that she shows her children how she loves them. She told me, well, she provides for them. She feeds them, provides them clothes. She protects them, makes sure they don't run out into the street or stays in the home. When they have questions and when they want attention, she responds to them. Are you noticing something? See, these are all the same things that God wants to do for you, church. Do you allow Him to do so? She says she gets on the ground and she plays with them. She said she launders them. in other way, she does their dirty laundry. She cleans up their messes. That's what you do when you love someone. She hugs and kisses them. She watches over them. She likes to do things for them. She also has to discipline them and punish them. She likes to make pretend, to dream with them. Do you know that your heavenly father wants to dream with you? He wants to make pretend. He wants to imagine the world a different place. He wants to imagine you different in the world. He wants to embolden you to see that dream come true. She says she wants to teach them. She wants to be a role model for them. All of these ways are ways that God is showing you today that he loves you. You see, this sermon, this message, and the messages to follow aren't about love in general. It isn't about just trying to define love. It isn't about just asking you how much or how little you love God because the point of this message and the point of February for me is something so far more basic. It's that you are loved with an unfailing love that comes from heaven. And how does that make you feel? What would you do if you know fully how much God loves you? Well, when I asked my wife, how do you know the kids know you love them? She says, well, they act differently. They feel loved. They say things to me. They act a certain way. But it was more interesting what I learned is how they act when they don't feel loved. How do children act when they don't feel loved? Well, they act a lot like you and I do when we don't feel loved, they're moody they're insecure, they're weak, they're depressed. You see, church, when we don't feel love, all of these other emotions start coming in and we begin to question all around us. And when I see Christians this way, I wonder, what is going on? Oh, I don't go to the right church. I don't have the right pastor. I'm not in the right relationship. I don't have the right job. Ah, 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 I don't want to hear those things because the reality is that God loves you with an unfailing love, and he's doing these things, protecting and providing from you in ways you don't even know. He's responding to you, but you're not listening. He's hugging and kissing and doing things for you. He's dreaming with you and teaching you. He's doing all the things you would expect Abba Father to do, and yet most of the time we miss it. The fact of the matter is that God loves you, but the knowledge of that truth will set you free. And so we're going to go on a journey these next couple of weeks about what the Bible says, what the disciples say, what Jesus says about the love of the Father. So many of us want to love God. So many of us want to explain what our love for God looks like. But I want us first to focus on his love for us. I want us to think about how much he loves us. There's a great song that's Al. it says, live like you're loved. I want you today to think, what would you do differently if you felt more love in your life than you do right now? Because when your kids feel it, they act very differently. And if they feel loved by you and your spouse, they feel loved by their brothers and their sisters. They feel loved by their grandparents. When they feel all this love at Christmas time, look how they respond. Can we show love? Yes. Do we feel love? Yes. Can you feel it from God? Because I believe it's not enough just for God to love us. I believe these scriptures are saying it's not enough for the fact of the matter be that he loves us. He wanted to show us, so he sent his only begotten son. It's not enough for him to say he loves us. He wanted to show us, so he forgives us of our sins. It's not enough for him to love us, so he shows us, and he begins to heal us, restore us redeem us, renew us. Church, do you understand we love a God who wants to withhold nothing from us? He wants to show us and remind us every day how much He loves us. And often is the case is we run. We run away or we run to other sources of love. We run to anything we can to fill the void. But the fact of the matter is He loves us and wants to fill us up. He wants to fill us up with His love. And He wants you, because of that, To praise Him with all that is within you. It says in verse 1, Let all I am praise the Lord. And it says in verse 22, as the psalmist ends, Let all that I am praise the Lord. You can only do that, church, if you can understand His love for you.
0: We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.